I'm Marty Dodson. And I'm Clay Mills. Welcome to Songtown on Songwriting. Today's very special guest is world-renowned author John Seabrook. John's a graduate of Princeton University, got an M.A. in English Lit from Oxford, and he began his writing career writing for magazines and newspapers in New York, Harper's, Vanity Fair, GQ, The Nation, The Village Voice, Christian Science Monitor. He's been a longtime staff writer at The New Yorker, and he's written four books, one of which has led me to John and brought him here today to the songwriting community of Songtown. And that's a book he wrote on the Swedish pop music movement with Max Martin. It's called The Song Machine Inside the Hit Factory. So without further ado, let's welcome John to the show. Thanks, Clay. Nice to be here. You know, I was reading some of your articles um, that you sent me, and a couple caught my attention. And I was trying to think, you've written about so many subjects, how we could kind of tie this talk together. And the idea hit me of this idea of man and machine. Mm -hmm. How your book about Max Martin and the, the Swedish pop world, how that changed pop music, it changed culture. Mm -hmm. And then some of your later writings after that, where you were talking about how artificial intelligence mm -hmm. has, has changed. And it just, it's fascinating to me how they, the two things are opposed, but yet they can work together for good or bad. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of the theme of my work, really, I guess. Yeah. Man and machine interfacing with each other. Yeah. Let's start with the hit factory. What led you to be interested in the, you know, the Swedish movement into American pop music? How did you start on that? Well, I, you know, come from a background where uh, the kind of traditional songwriting that you do in Nashville was what I knew. I never practiced it, but, uh, you know, the, the, the songwriters, from, you know, I kind of come out of the, I'm not really as old as the 60 sort of booming time quite, but the sort of singer songwriter uh, as, as God, John Lennon, or, you know, sort of as my idea of, of the kind of artist that a songwriter, singer songwriter is. Um, and the way the songs are made is the way that, you know, Lennon and McCartney made them kind of. Uh, and, and so I found myself in the studio, uh, maybe around 2013 or 14, uh, watching uh, these top producers make a song with, a, with a, what they call a top liner. Uh, and uh, these guys named Stargate, they're from Norway. Uh, they're not Swedish, they're Norwegian, uh, but they've made a lot of hits. Uh, you know, a lot of Rihanna's biggest hits were made by them. Uh, they're very successful. And, uh, and so I was sitting there and I really didn't know much about um, songwriting in, in the you know, 21st century. And so I was sitting there kind of expecting something like Lennon and McCartney to happen. But, you know, instead, it was all uh, highly uh, computer mediated. Uh, you know, the tracks were all done in advance on Pro Tools. Uh, he had a you know, whole stack of them, hundreds of them. Uh, and uh, he cycled through them until the top liner, who was this uh, very colorful woman named Esther Dean, who you can see on, uh, she's on TV now on that songwriter, uh, like it's the voice for songwriters, that, right. that show. 
um, and she's a very successful songwriter herself. Anyway, so she uh, would listen to these tracks and then she heard something that she kind of found interesting. And then she would go into the into the vocal booth and pull out her phone. And she just had all these little phrases on her phone, like, you know, kind of now or never or uh, the time is right or the iron is hot or whatever, just like little things, uh, slogan-y kind of sounding. And she would just sort of sort of cycle through them and start trying them out as the track was playing, looking for the hooks. And that's what her gift is. And and after a while, she would either hit it or she wouldn't. But when she hit it, it was really cool to sort of see how everybody got excited. And then they would really quickly kind of build the rest of the song around the hook. And, And then within an hour, probably, they had the song, basically. And they would get very excited and play it a few times. And then usually by the next day, they weren't interested anymore and they'd move on to something else. And they would do that over and over again until, you know, sort of by chance, luck, I don't know what, one of them would, you know, hopefully be a hit. Uh, and, and the others were useless. You know, it wasn't like they were sort of there making an album of textured you know, different kinds of keys and, and different kinds of, you know, melodies. And it was really all about uh, the one song and, and the hit. And so, so anyway, so I saw this process happen and it was like, Oh my God. I mean, do, do other people realize that this is this is how songs are made today? And so I wrote a story about it for The New Yorker, uh, which was called The Song Machine. And it was about kind of that particular situation, those guys and Esther Dean and making a song. And, and then when that came out, I kind of realized, in fact, a lot of people don't realize that this is how uh, songs are made these days. Because, you know, like me, they thought that there was a sort of organic method that took place, like Burt Backrat and Hal David sitting at a piano or something. And that was like so far from the reality that it, that it was shocking. Anyway, so, so, then, so then I realized that, you know, this is actually kind of an important and larger subject than just an article. And, and so I kind of plunged into researching it. And that's how I got onto the Swedish guys uh, pretty quickly got on to them because Max Martin, you know, is such a, a, a huge colossus in, in the whole, in this world of pop artists that don't write their own songs. But then I, you know, through Max Martin, I realized that there was a whole backstory to him, uh, the Swedish culture and these particular DJ guy named, you know, Dennis Pop, he called himself, who trained Max Martin and that, that 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 whole sort of story of how this small group of guys from Sweden kind of came into the US and basically like took over the whole pop industry was the big was sort of the larger story you know that was the big story and so that was kind of what I sort of that set about kind of writing in the book awesome i like to think of what max martin did was people were playing football in giant stadium and he just picked up the field and moved it a couple of miles over to the left and said, Hey guys, we're over here now. (laughs) And I mean, he really did change the landscape to the extent that today in country music last five or six years, a track guys in the room, top liners in the room and artist is in the room, but it's been interesting to watch how, the whole Max Martin and, you know, that whole thing changed even country music today. And it's still, it's still affecting it. I didn't realize that. See, I, I, 
I thought country music kind of resisted a lot of that track, I call track and hook mm-hmm. method and, and sort of insisted on a more organic approach to songwriting. That's not true? I would say it's about 60-40 in favor of the tracks right now. And and it really depends. There's artists, country's pretty diverse, actually. There's You have real traditional guys like Chris Stapleton. This is my hat, my Chris Stapleton hat. Exactly, I love it. <laughs> um, Chris and I wrote at the same publishing company for years, but he's Mr. Analog, you know, do everything organically. And then you have the pop side with these new artists like Dan and Shay, where everything's going to be more pop sounding. So yeah, right. it's kind of a cross section. I see that. That's interesting. Uh, well, I think, I mean, the, the, the argument for it in a commercial way is that you, you produce more hits that way. Uh, and like the amount of time you spend you know, crafting a song by the traditional method where you really work it and sit there for a long time and spend it on one song versus the amount of time where, you know, you sort of cycle through a bunch of tracks and have a top liner sort of spitting out hooks, you know, maybe three or four in a day you can put out. It just sort of seems like everybody feels like your chances are increased with the latter method. It may not make for a better song, uh, but you produce more songs um, that way, and maybe you get outside of your head a little that way in a good way. Uh, and there's a lot more collaboration, I guess, um, you know, mixing and matching of partners involved in this sort of, I feel this, I call it the Swedish method. I mean, in particular, that group method, uh, I think that's another big change that uh, I sort of detected in in you know, just sort of reporting the book is the change from having two people basically writing a song to having six people, you know, or even then 12 people uh, writing a song that and that is now sort of a hip hop standard as well. That that sort of really changes the the whole game in a way. And I do think it does really fundamentally change the process, you know, in a lot of pretty basic ways. Right. And probably in some good ways and some bad ways. Yeah. Yeah. I think it makes, I don't know if it makes great songs. I mean, this is always the knock on a lot of sort of machine mediated art, you know, Uh, and you, you know, you could sort of, I think the next phase of this is going to be like Max Martin isn't an artificial intelligence. He's a, he's a real person. But the next step would be like an algorithm like Max Martin, you know, that that could do that same thing that he, that he does. I don't know if it's ever possible, but but then the question is like, OK, well, these machines sort of can make really good songs, but do they ever make a great song? And does the track and hook method yield the quality of the Beatles and, the, you know, that 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 level of will they last? these songs you know uh, that's a question uh and i i don't know actually max in the case of max martin some of his songs are now like hit me baby one more time is uh 20 almost 25 years old i think it's 25 years old maybe yeah. so it's lasted that long some of the, some of them will last i think like edm uh you know streaming getting it out there on spotify all these things make it very easy you know, laptops as instruments, you don't even need to uh, know how to play. 
Right. Uh, you know, all these things make it super easy to be a musician, right? You know, so there's a lot of people out there now, I think, who are able to do it. But um, I don't know. I think it's. I think there's going to be a, a lot of volume of songs, but whether they're, you know, going to be lasting, I don't know. But that, that's maybe the old fogey sort of take on this stuff. I mean, you bring up a great point with artificial intelligence. I noticed it you know, machines starting to influence years ago when I lived in New York in the, the late 80s. And we were having to hire orchestras and horn sections for records. Right. Then all of a sudden you could just place your hands on a keyboard and right. have a horn sound right? or have a, have a violin sound. You no longer needed one person could sit at a keyboard and play all the instruments. The drum machines, you didn't need a drummer. Um, now, uh, you know, you can literally buy a program um, that goes, OK, I need to put a piano on this song. Right. So you tell it what key and what chords you want it to play and it'll come up with a piano part. Right. Right. And they're used, you know, acoustic guitar parts. They're used all over um, hit records today. So I kind of, fr from my standpoint, see society kind of changing to that this death of expertise uh -huh. in general, and it's more of a do-it-yourself society, uh -huh. which, I mean, it, that can be great too, if more people can get involved and, and, you know, creating, but you do miss that, you know, expert that just built his whole life upon studying his craft. And, yeah. 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 There's definitely yeah. a trade-off. Yeah, so this is the argument that just goes, I mean, so all this technology kind of democratizes the process and it makes a, what was formerly available only to, you know, a few, some of whom are, are experts and qualified as such, who put in their time, it, may, it makes a lot of that expertise available to the many. And it's difficult to say, well, that's a bad thing because, you know, uh, it does allow for creativity to be spread around, you know, to a lot more people. Um, and it does feel a little elitist to insist on, you know, like a world where you only have a T experts to, to sort of dispense all of the, the wisdom. But um, it's the same with writing. I wrote a piece about uh, automated writing, which is becoming, a, you know, now like, computers finish your sentences for you, you know, or right. your phone, you know, you hit tab, it guesses what you're going to say, right? Uh, based on the few words that you've written. So my piece was about this program that doesn't just guess the next few words of your sentence, but it actually guesses like the whole paragraph and then a few paragraphs beyond that, uh, <laughs> kind of based on you and what you're sort of basically knows what you're going to say before you say it. And and so then the question becomes, well, well so, so it spits out a few paragraphs and you go, well, that's pretty good. Yeah. Maybe that is what I was going to say. Yeah, that, that sounds pretty good. So, so you know, you kind of lose a little bit of maybe what you were going for. The machine is, makes it so easy. Um, but of course, the machine isn't really a creative thing. It's just that some of all the averages in the world, which isn't exactly art, <laughs> you know? No, it's the opposite of art. Right. But that's how machines think. So I, I would, I, you know, with music, it would be the same way. I think, you know, they would... I mean, this is what they do, right? They they analyze all of the songs and they figure out like what qualities the popular ones have, and the then they try to kind of 
you know, write a song based on those principles, that sucks. Usually. Right. <laughs> well, it becomes the, the dog chasing the tail. Right. Very right. So just to wrap up today, I really appreciate you being here and, and sharing your knowledge. And I just want to tell everybody to, to check out your writing, both for the New Yorker, your four books. Um, you're the kind of writer that, you know, I'm, I'm a songwriter, which is a form of writing, but you're the kind of writer that I feel like you could write about any subject and make me interested in that subject. And I think that is what separates the the men from the boys when it comes to writing. Songwriting too, maybe, right? Maybe that's what makes songs good too. Absolutely. Well, take care, John. I'm going to kick it back to Marty. Hope you enjoyed that and that you learned something. I know I did. Uh, We've got a song coming up for you called Leaving Home. It was written by Matt Burke and Brian Allison. We gotta leave this town Nothing left here, always lost but never found There's no reason we should stay This town we're living in is getting smaller every day Something tells me you'll go This could have happened years ago I believe in us and together
harmonies on that one. Awesome. Love that folk Americana kind of feel. So we're going to talk about a question we get a lot of times in the Ask Marty and Clay forum on Songtown, and that is uh, regarding song starts. So people uh, will ask if we recommend if you bring song starts into an artist co-write. And, you know, there's some genres these days that are primarily working that way. I know Christian music, a lot of times uh, they expect, uh, they will even like send a song start in advance and kind of find one that the artist likes and then they, the artist kind of helps finish that song out. What I recommend doing, what I do in my daily co-writes is to kind of have some song starts or, or ideas that are kind of you know partially developed that I can bring in with an artist but so often when I go in with an artist I find that my song start doesn't really fit where their head is so you know I may go in with a, a killer up-tempo idea about uh, life and they say you know I really want to write a love ballad and and so I've kind of uh, put all my eggs in one basket and, and that wasn't what the artist was looking for. So what I tend to do is kind of just have some ideas percolating that are, you know, kind of developed in my head or even on the computer or paper uh, that I can go in with. But really what I'm trying to do more than anything in an artist co-write is find out what that artist wants to say. And And I've discovered a lot of times if I take a song start in, they will, they'll say, oh, okay, you know, you've got a verse and a chorus so maybe, you know, let's just go ahead and do that one. But I find out later that they weren't really that into it. You know, it just in the moment, it seemed like they were in the position of either rejecting my song start that I gave them or going along with it, even though they didn't love it. And so my recommendation is to just kind of keep those things in your back pocket and have those things ready when you write with an artist. But more than that, have conversation with the artist at the beginning of the co-write to, to find out what the artist is thinking, what they need. So I ask questions like, you know, what do you not have? You know, if you've already cut some stuff for your record, what do you not have? Because I want to write that thing. Or I ask, you know, what is there a song you've always wanted to have something like? Uh, or I'll say, you know, what's going on in your life? You know, and they're like, oh, I'm expecting my first child. It's kind of a scary time. And we talk about it and we go, oh, would you like to write something about that? And if I can find something that an artist is passionate about, I'm going to have a lot better chance of getting on their record than if if I just kind of present them with something and they go, okay, you know, and, and we write it. So that's my recommendation is to, you know, have a bunch of ideas when you come in in case that conversation doesn't lead anywhere, you know. So if I have those conversations and it doesn't really lead me to anything, then I pull out a few things. Go well. What about this idea I've got started, or this one? You know, and I still I'm I'm farther along in knowing which ones to pull out because I've talked to the artist and really uh, tried to get in their head and see what's going through their mind currently. And so I think that's going to give you a lot better chance of success. You know, and if you are if you're working in a genre or, or some kind of scenario where they expect you to provide some song starts in advance, I really recommend. Um, doing some homework on that artist to try to find out as much as you can about uh, what's going on in their career, you know, what's going on in their personal life and all that kind of stuff. So you can kind of take an educated guess as opposed to just coming up with an idea that you like and presenting that to an artist. So that's my take on song starts. I hope that was helpful. Uh, we've got a 
big forum in the, the uh, Songtown website called Ask Marty and Clay, where our members can ask us any question like that. So we love to hear from our members. And we also, if you're a, a listener to the podcast and you're not a member, uh, you can email me, marty at songtown.com, and I'd love to have your questions there, and we could use those on some future podcasts. Um, we are on the American Songwriter Podcast Network. Uh, we're available on Apple, iHeart, all over the place, anywhere you listen to podcasts, pretty much. Uh, we'd love it if you subscribe or follow us, if you would uh, leave comments if you enjoyed it, and I'd love any feedback. Um, if you are a songwriter and you have a song you would like to submit uh, for our consideration, you can um, send that to podcast at songtown.com. So thanks for following us. Uh, check out the show notes. There's information about Songtown, about books that we've published on songwriting, and also there'll be information on um, our guest today, John Seabrook. So you'll be able to find uh, links to buy his book and find out more if you're interested in that. So thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.